0: What's up, guys? This episode of the podcast brought to you by PowerLift. We don't just like PowerLift because they've got an awesome name and they got power in their name. We also use PowerLift at Broken Arrow and at Ankeny to design both of our facilities. Uh, the cool thing about PowerLift is obviously they've got great equipment, they've got great product, but even better, the people that you deal with are great people. Just like uh, J.R. Conrad, who is on the on the podcast a few episodes ago. He's a great dude. He's played football. They're full of guys that, are, that care about football. They're not just trying to sell you equipment. They're not trying to sell you that ratty old car. right? They, they care about your team. They care about your weight room, and they want to help you make it as good as, as humanly possible. Um, PowerLift is a trusted program that's designed the University of Oklahoma, University of Iowa, Baylor University, and modern day's high school's weight facility just here in the last few years. Uh, you know, obviously many, many more. And you can go to their website to check those out, the other weight rooms that they have made here in the recent years. Let PowerLift take your unique needs and use them to design your state-of-the-art facility. From concept to completion, choose PowerLift. Powerful ideas, powerful results, very powerful. <laughs> made in the USA. Go check out PowerLift at PowerLift.com. This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by Sideline Power, right? We're even more powerful now with our new sponsor, Sideline Power. Sideline Power is the industry leader in coaching communication, offering cutting-edge technology and innovation. Sideline Power helps coaches around the country elevate their programs to the next level with new and used headsets, end-zone cameras, drones, portable sound systems, timers, and much, much more. Sideline Power works on one of the some of the most influential coaches and in nationally ranked programs in high school football they contribute to help coaches push the envelope of player and program development. From NFL level coaching communications to cutting edge video technology, Sideline Power encompasses a full array of products needed to unleash the full potential of your program. Throughout the expansion of their product offering, Sideline Power has remained committed to offering quality coaching communication at price points for every program. Family owned and operated with a customer first mentality Sideline Power is truly the number one choice for coaching communication. Visit Sideline Power at sidelinepower.com. You can reach them by email, info at sidelinepower.com, or you can call them at 800-496-4290. Again, any of our sponsors are, are people that we want to work with, people that want to work with us, and, and people that we believe care about coaches and can offer you guys uh, an extremely great product. This episode is also brought to you by SkyCoach. SkyCoach's proven sideline replay technology that will give you the advantage over opponents utilizing anything else. I know that I get to use it at Broken Arrow. We've got two cameras actually set up through it that go down to two separate iPads and a TV, so the the offensive coordinator gets to look at the, the wide version that all the offensive coordinators want to look at, and me as an offensive line coach, I get butt shots, um, you know, in mere seconds, half a second. As soon as it's the next play, I've got the previous play already ready. It's great to be able to show the kids. You don't get as many kids saying, yeah, they had someone in A, B, C, and D gap, and the same on the other side. And you're like, yeah, we were in 10 personnel. I doubt that. Sky Coach takes all of that guessing game out of it. I can just look at it. I can show the kids exactly what they had, and we can make any adjustments that we need. Skycoach has 24-7 support, a flexible network that works in any stadium and in any size crowd, and the most reliable, innovative software available. To be the best, you must use the best. Don't let your team down by choosing something inferior. Skycoach, the market leader in Sideline Replay. You guys want to go visit Skycoach, visit them at mySkycoach.com and you can learn more. And hey, send them, tell them that we sent you guys um, so they know that it's reaching you coaches. Uh, you know, obviously as always with our sponsors, they're what, would help us keep going, keep giving you guys the information that you guys want to need. So, so really, um, you know, be a part of the podcast, go check these guys out. They've got great stuff. And then last, but certainly not least, uh, team attack also is a sponsor for this episode of the podcast. Team attack Academy is an online football development site for football players and coaches of all levels. It's the most powerful teaching tool introduced into the game today to raise the level of playing and coaching football. After using Team Attack Academy, your athletes and coaches will outplay, outwork, and outsmart their opponents, guaranteed. Visit Team Attack Academy at teamattackacademy.com. And again, we use this product as well at Broken Arrows Offensive Line. It's a great tool. We get to put our course up online. I get to teach the kids all through their their Chromebooks, all through their phones, which is what they're on all the time. It works great for us. It it allows us to install and then go over practices seamlessly seamlessly and very quickly. You know, everyone's got a shorter attention span, kids and, and adults alike. It allows us to get all the information we need out to them. On today's episode of RTP, me and Coach Walls talk about my recent weekend visit to Rice University. Listen as we talk about what I picked up from watching Stanford Film the influence of Walsh's West Coast offense on Rice's offense and Stanford's, and dedicating an entire day of install to goal line and short yardage. And of course, we had to talk a little bit of Houston barbecue. Hope you guys enjoy. Have I told you about my my, uh, Rice trip yet? You have not. I need to hear about. It. I talked a little bit to Dave.
1: You know, he he kind of been texting me. Sent me a few pictures. Yeah, he's he sent me a picture. I was making fun of him. I'm like, like, dude, you sending me a picture of outside zone? Really? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I want to, I want to see the, I want to see the power stuff. He's like, well, I watched three, three hours of cutups last night. I'm like, dude, where's those pictures at? Let's go.
0: That's right. It was really cool because, uh, like, you know, one of the best parts when we get to go to colleges is they're like, okay, here's the film room and set you up. All right, get going. Now, some of it can get confusing. You know, normally as coaches you can figure out a fourth or, or a half of what's going on just by watching the plays and then seeing the play names. But, um, You know, especially with their offense, it gets a little bit more difficult. So it was really nice of them. They had this kid that – and I wish I could remember his name, but he was their offensive GA Mm -hmm. for the offensive line, and he seemed brilliant. He reminded me like of Patricia for some reason. Like he – just what he almost looked like, and he was like a brain. And he had been there with like the last staff, and so this was a completely new offense, and they'd been there for whatever – like three months, and he like knew all of it. And he had like a little pen behind his ear, always had paper, always had his, his uh, backpack and always was on his computer, like learning stuff. So it so, was
1: sweet. So he was, he was a rice GA. Is what you were saying?
0: Yeah. So he was a GA at rice. And so he was, like I said, he was there with the previous staff but Yeah. they kept him okay. all with this staff. And so this new staff, you know, obviously from Stanford, uh, you know, would come over and well, I don't know, whatever, maybe in January, I'm not sure when it was, but, they had just come over, decided they were going to go from uh, whatever Rice was—I think a little bit like Pitt was, maybe—but but, but um, you know, maybe more up tempo. I'm not really sure what they were. I know they had quite a few shifts and different things in there, but now to like a Stanford pro-style West Coast offense. So, you know, obviously a big time switch from what they were doing with formations and kills and alerts and you know the whole gamut of different stuff. So a ton of stuff to learn. And, um, you know, this guy, he was he was on top of it. Well, anyways, it was cool having him because he'd actually, after any of his meetings, he'd come in there to the offensive line room with me and Wilk and Dave and would answer any questions we had. And then the offensive line coach was also really hospitable. Anytime – obviously, he's a little bit more busy outside of the room, but anytime he got a chance, he would come in there um, and and answer any questions we had, sit down with us, talk with us. So – that part was really cool and, and kind of learning, you know, it all kind of goes back to even some of their answers were like, yeah, well that's just how, uh, that's how Walsh did it. You know? And you're like, why'd you kind of do some of this? And they're like, well, that's cause that's how Walsh installed it. And that's exactly how Walsh called it. So kind of cool. It was like, um, I know it's not that old, but kind of like going to Gettysburg, if you will. Right. Like, <laughs> like the, that's how Lincoln did it. You know, if anyone that, anyone that, like, thinks that Walsh is the king, like, like I do kind of a little bit, you know, I love that kind of offense. It was Just really think, cool.
1: Think how many people would still be out there like, who's Bill Walsh? No, I know, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. You got some of these, these air raid guys
0: or whatever. Who, Bill Walsh? Um, uh, who? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, they would they would faint if they saw some of those uh, – some of the play calls. It was – it wasn't ridiculous because the kids all got it and they got it pretty quickly, so it's obvious like they've got it all – either categorized or, or whatever you want to call it to where it makes sense to the kids because the kids get it. And they're, sometimes they're calling two or sometimes three plays. Almost every play they're calling two plays. They're able to alert or kill something. And then um, they're also rolling sometimes three separate plays in there. So kind of sounds confusing, and I think it would be even more confusing in spring, but I think they really dial it in uh, whenever they go to go get into a game. Uh but the real
1: the real question is do they run Spider Two why banana?
0: They didn't run any spider while we were there. Uh they do have spider, but they were in their uh um I think Venom. So it was it's uh, Oh, so they
1: were they were going Venom two and three then?
0: Yeah, Venom two and three and then obviously, you know, the Jets, two and three jets. So uh that was their their big protections and then free what was Scat Scat two and three maybe is what it was called. But so it was mm-hmm. their empty their empty stuff. So um they were kind of, you know, they were getting into a little bit more of that. And then uh, obviously the film we watched was was majority Stanford because they hadn't been doing it very much at Rice. So we yeah. had all the Stanford cut-ups we could want. So we just went in there and and me and, and Wilk and Dave, and we just binged on on Stanford cut-ups. And it was really, really cool. I'll tell you the one, the, the most interesting thing to me is like you watch, like I've said, I think we've already talked about it, but like you watch in North Dakota State, they're going to run, and, and it sounds like I'm taking away from them. And I'm sure it's more complex than it looks. But you know, they're going to run a gap power. They're going to run some of their pin and pull. They're going to run some inside zone. But for the most part, they're going to be able to run that against whatever look you throw out there. Mm-hmm. Where, um, you know, Stanford had several, several, several uh, different plays that were just for one team. You know, plays, some plays that I'd never seen when they knew. They were going to overload one side of the offensive line and they'd get in certain, you know, fronts where they'd block, you know, a guard all the way back to a backside shade and pull the center and stuff like, how did they know that? But it was just some look they'd seen. They knew it was going to be a blitz off the backside. And so they had a lot of scheme runs. So it would be – I think that would be a little tough to do in high school, obviously just because we're so limited in time. But I think that's one of the things Rice is working on doing is – not being so locked into one play, you know, one play for just only certain formation or fronts, but being able to run that play against a lot of different fronts, not having to kill it, just just being able to roll with roll with more plays.
1: Are they putting that all on the QB's plate or is the offensive line making a call? You know, you know?
0: I, I think it's a little bit of both. You know, I think there are times where the, the center can call it out and then, then the quarterback can just echo it and then. Um, I'm sure as you know when you have luck and you know Andrew luck back there then then they put a little bit more on his plate and you know I think it probably just depends depends a little bit on on who they have the coolest part they were talking to us about because we were really wondering about that like uh, toss power you know Mm -hmm. yeah tossing it back there letting him go we found out this is probably the best answer I've ever heard uh, they were like we were like so why did you guys do that so much and they were like oh were you were you watching last year's film of stanford Like, yeah it was last year's and they're like okay well always in the past we've had the option to toss it and we normally did that against certain looks or certain pressures off the weak side well we had a couple of those and now our stud running back i can't remember his name but our oh, that little, the
1: Lo- Bryce Love or whatever? Yeah,
0: Love, Love. They're like, but Love really liked getting it tossed to him on power, so that's what we started doing. <laughs> All right. I was like, so it doesn't have to be that complicated. They just, you know, hey, if that's what he likes, let's toss it back there to him then. and Let him be a freak running back because he was.
1: Hell, yeah, man. That guy was the ultimate home run hitter. Hey, if he, if he can see it a little bit earlier – and he has the vision to, to do it and doesn't mess up his game. He's not dropping it or fumbling it. Why not, man? I, I don't think coaches do that enough, listen to, to the kids.
0: I don't you know? either. It doesn't have to be so complicated. And, and they've got a complicated offense. So that's why it was even more refreshing when they were like, well, you know, that's just what he likes. And so it doesn't really matter to us that much. So that's what we do. Yeah, we, we handed it to McCaffrey because he liked to have it
1: handed. Love love one of the toss. So we're going to give yeah. him the toss. All right, that's cool.
0: Exactly right. And Not so, you know, all that stuff was was really cool to be able to see. Um, and and obviously, they ran a lot of power. Now, their reasoning behind when they would toss power, and, and some of the other coaches I've heard is right that quarterback gets to block off the back backside, mm-hmm. and yep. you can see that they would do. Stanford would do a little bit different with their offensive line. Their center didn't block back very often, uh, especially against odd fronts. You know, he was kind of working up through the shade to different things. They had. It wasn't so like – North Dakota State appears to be a little more, and from what we've heard from them, right, they're blocking down and the guy doesn't show – you know, a guy slants out of their face. They're just going to keep going, blocking down. Fullback's going to hit it tight and they're going to roll. Well, Stanford, it seemed like, had a lot more um, as far as like rules or points or they almost had men because you'd see a yeah. lot of guys slanting and they'd stay on that guy and it would almost look like zone at times, just with different fronts. and so there's a lot of times the center was, um, you know, working not always back on on three, four. And the reasoning was, right, they they get to pick up another hat with the center and get another double team on the nose. And then their quarterback, in theory, uh, blocks off the edge. But I'll just say, I'll just tell you, if anyone was coming off that edge hard, the quarterback was not sticking his neck out there. Hell no. Come on, man. I saw (laughs) it at work maybe once or twice, but for the most part, they just ran right by that poor quarterback. He's not taking one in the face from a defensive end. No, why would you? Hey, I got coach. Coach, you got one guy that can check all of your kill plays, right? right. That that,
1: that knows the, the 96 schemes that you guys have for the game. Mm-hmm. If that guy if that
0: guy gets hurt blocking the backside of a power toss, you're fired. That's exactly right. So so uh, you know that's one that that we actually came away from that not you know we were kind of intrigued by that tossing it and they would toss it and do some counter, which was kind of cool. But we came away from from the whole experience kind of deciding we weren't real big fans of, of tossing power just because it made sense in in theory, but didn't show to work out as well as. As the theory said it would, uh,
1: I would not personally not toss power, but hey, to each their own. If I had now, if I had Bryce Love and he told me that he wanted me to toss, <laughs> to, I would toss it. That's
0: exactly right. Now, now we can start talking about tossing it, but and that's what Wilk said too. And, and I'm not a quarterbacks coach, so I don't know, but you know, it, it's a fairly expensive thing to do is, is teach half the time to toss it because quarterbacks their whole life have been taught toss wide, toss wide, toss wide. So it's actually something you really got to take some time and, and practice. And then, you know, those guys toss it and, and miss one or two. And now you're looking mm-hmm. at a, you know, a, a second and 12 where power's supposed to at least get you back to the line of scrimmage every time. Now you're going second and 12. So it's a, it's a big loss.
1: That, that's, a, that's an Alex Gibbs-ism. You know, they'd always ask him why, hey, why wouldn't you toss the, the wide zone? And it was the same reason because his favorite stat was – you know, I, I never, I never want to lead the NFL in in lost yardage plays. I want to lead the NFL in not having lost yardage plays. And he said, "Do I toss him the football?" He said, "There's just too many things that can go wrong: a bad toss, a fumble." You know, it, it's a little bit faster flow for the for the linebackers. He, he said the same thing. We want to be able to hand it off so that that back can can make a decision off the handoff, just a safer play. So.
0: Yeah, I mean, it just makes more sense to me. It's safer. And if you're running power like we do, it's supposedly, and it has been for us last year, you know, a safe play. You know you're going to at least get back to the line of scrimmage at the least. I think we had maybe maybe two negatives on power last year. So so we were getting back to the line of scrimmage. It's safe. So why why mess with that? Try to start tossing it and do something that works in theory but not in practice. So kind of came away with that. We got really lucky. Um, they were doing goal line short yardage that day. So it was kind of like uh, you remember when you'd, you'd showed me that YouTube of that Stanford's O line coach? Now he's the head coach. Um, yeah, Bloomgren. Bloomgren. Yeah, Bloomgren. So uh, you had shown me a video on YouTube of Bloomgren, and he was doing different goal line. Like they got a whole different technique for goal line. Their yeah, whole four, practice. Four, four, four point points. stance they're um springing out of their stance they're not even taking step you know every they've got a whole different it's a whole different practice for them hey this is goal line and the cool part was it was rice's first practice to ever do that so all they were talking about these coaches were when we got there was it's going to be really different for you guys to us coaches but it's also going to be really different to any of these ga's any of these coaches any of these rice players that haven't been through this yet and it was
1: yeah, I, uh, like I said, I think I'd said it in our, our first podcast when, when Coach Callahan was at Nebraska. So, I mean, he, he talked about goal line plays, and the one that he'd drawn up was blast. And it was the same thing. He's like, this play is designed to get one yard. And he had the, the research behind it. You know, it can cost you up to three, four games in the NFL, and that's the difference between, you know, getting your contract renewed or getting fired. So it kind of stuck with me as a, as a young coach, but it's the same kind of deal. And they talk about, you know, uncoiling out of your stance. So getting in that four-point stance, and it's like the old, what, six-point explosion. You know, you almost got your knees on the ground, your feet on the ground, and, and you're exploding up into the defender. That's literally what it was. It, it is pretty fun to, to watch a lot of their, you know, cut-ups. If people want to say, you know, hey, one-yard, one two-yard runs for touchdowns are cool. I thought they were really cool. it's a huge play
0: yeah it's big and that was that was another big takeaway from it was they had an entire practice now they did some seven on seven they did some one-on-one but their whole practice was was um designed for goal line short yardage that day you know they 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 put a huge emphasis like you said in the and we only saw goal line that day but uh, a huge emphasis on the the little things little situational things that'll win you ball games so they put a huge price tag on being able to convert for one yard. And for the majority of the plays that they ran, they there was almost no way to get more than two yards. You know, they were going to be one-yard plays. They weren't going to go for more than one yard, but what they needed was one yard. You know, with the exception of a few play actions or, or quick toss, you know, passes yeah. out there. But the most part, they're run plays. They're, they're going to stack everyone in there. They've got a certain technique to make sure they get that one yard. and. They're probably not getting more than two, but they get the one yard. So it was just cool to see an entire practice all designed around getting one yard and to see the offensive line practice it. And one of the big things you don't think about is, is the quarterback exchange. You know, it's extremely difficult. And we saw, we saw them struggle with that. Um, as they said, they would even at Stanford because it's, it's something that they're just not used to, four-point stance you know, the, the quarterback or the center's got a whole different technique, and, and they're doing stuff about throwing their face into, you know, the other face and uncoiling, and so, you know, they've got to get used to that, and we saw a few fumbled snaps, and one of the cool parts to me was, is like those coaches knew exactly what it was going to be. There was no screaming. There was no cussing that, you know, from offensive line all the way to head coach. Everyone was pretty cool, calm, and collected. All right, let's get back in the huddle. Let's do it again. Let's get the snap, but they knew they were gonna have trouble with the snap. It's a difficult it's a difficult snap to to get if you haven't taken a million snaps like that. So another reason it was cool to to see them put a whole day around a goal line technique and goal line snapping and you know all this stuff.
1: That's that's pretty much the epitome of the, the West Coast system. They they go through all kinds of situational stuff. You know, it's not it's not just gonna be, hey, let's let's run plays for, for this me hours there's always going to be you know a set plan and a set situation for for what it's going to be you know whether it's two minute four minute backed up offense I mean they they revolve entire practices just like you said about that and it's it's pretty cool when you're when you're kind of learning out as as a coach to be able to to really dive into that I think a lot of coaches spend vastly too much time on just open field plays you know regular field offense openers I I think that that gets to be, yeah, there's a certain percentage of your offense, but I think a lot of, of football is won and lost in those critical situations. You know, I got to get a yard. I got to score a touchdown here in the red zone. Um, we can't run the ball very well in compressed spaces. What are your play actions going to be? What are my best matchups? And then not only that, but, you know, you're not scheming up a new play every week having a bank of those plays that your kids feel comfortable in. It's like, hey, when coach calls this play, we know we're going to score. You know, that that was one of my, my favorite things at, at BA when you need when calling plays and, and you knew they were going to be really, really good. And it was because the kids knew the same thing. Like, oh yeah, coach, I knew you were going to call this uh, when we got to the 20 yard line or the quarterback knows that. To me, that's like the epitome of, you know, what it should be all about. You know, you're all on the same page. You're all on the same wavelength. Everybody's got confidence in the plan that, that we've put together.
0: Right. They're prepared and they've seen it in practice. And that's really cool when they've seen it in practice. You've talked about this before with Offensive Line, but they've seen whatever you've shown them in practice and now they see it in the game. It's exactly what you practice for. And, and I, you know, that's something I've seen a lot of coaches fall victim to, like you're talking about. And it's something I fell victim to a lot is, you know, just getting, okay, we need to make sure we run this play against these fronts and this and this, but none of it's situational bound. And now you're in a game and you're like, geez, I wish we would have worked with having a compressed field or, or whatever the situation is, you know, being able to get through that. Something I've worked on growing, growing with and, and even putting with that, you know, putting in crazy different defenses. So we've seen a lot of different things. So that was really cool to see. Uh, the other big takeaway I had was. It was really cool. They let their so obviously the head coach, um, you know, Bloomgren had had a pretty big input on goal line. The offensive line coach would even say that he's like, "You're going to see the the head coach down here. This is his favorite day." And so <laughs> it was cool seeing him getting a four point stance and, and work some of their techniques that they work with the centers and and uh, it was cool because he was like standing over there staring at the offensive line during uh during Indy, and the the offensive line coach is like. Uh, coach, you want to take the uh, centers and, and go work? I forget what he called it. And Bloomberg is kind of like, "Oh yeah, I give mean, guess. I guess I could take him over there and, and show him, And he's running over there then, and he's getting in a four-point stance and showing him. And so that was really cool just seeing the excitement he had and how much he loved you know, goal line. But what I was going to say was, it, what was cool was the day before the offensive coordinator kind of talked to everybody, they all had whatever, and then the day after they did goal line short yardage. The offensive line coach actually ran the whole meeting. So it was like goal line short yardage was his baby or whatever you want to call it. So when he met, he met with the quarterbacks, running backs, the whole offense, and they went over film of goal line short yardage and he ran it. It was like his thing. So that was kind of cool getting, it, getting to see an offensive line coach just take over for goal line short yardage. Not that he took over, but they, they gave him the ownership of it.
1: It's not love when coaches do that. I mean, I just think it, it creates so much more you know, creativity with, within your room if you give people jobs, you know, and, and we've talked about that many times. I just think, you know, you, you give the O-line coach a, a project. Hey, we, we need two good scheme runs this week. You know, I really think this is a good week for it. And all of a sudden now they've got – a project they can go do you know uh tell your receivers coach hey i, I want to get one new naked concept or, or what's one nugget you can pick up from a motion this week and all of a sudden now they, they bring it to the table and then when you call it and it works those those guys just feel awesome and that's something that they remember and, and you know as, as a play caller it, it just keeps reinforcing the the management of that room so i think you know putting a, a an offensive line guy like that in charge of it, you know, not only is it helping the, the morale of that whole staff, but maybe now it's, it's you know, pr- promoting his development as a coach. Maybe he wants to be a head coach. You know, maybe he wants to be a coordinator. So now he's getting an opportunity to do that. Same thing with your players, right? Right, players, yeah, give them
0: some ownership.
1: You know, your players want to get better. I mean, your coaches want to get better too. So you got to let them grow and, and not just say, hey, you, know, you farm your land teach these guys how to down block and that's all i want to hear you know well you know eventually you're going to be like what the heck you know okay we're pretty good at down blocking now what you know so i i don't know that's that's one of the things i just think it, it just kind of comes back to that art of coaching and and allowing that that horizontal leadership and letting those guys you know really branch out i think i've learned a lot of that in in the education field you know just you know you see a lot of teachers that ask questions about you know building a relationship with kids Building relationships with other teachers, new teachers, whatever it might be, but just being able to to tell them like, hey, just let go of some of the control, you know, right. you know, let let these kids have some freedom, let these kids have some choices. The same thing with the people that work with you. You get good co-teachers that work with you. You've got other people in your, your PLC groups. I mean, th- that's just the the epitome of, of coaching. You know, you you don't have to control all of it. You know, the kids can figure some things out. There's some pretty bright people out there. And it's the same thing when you're coaching, you know, the great head coaches have a philosophy, have their pillars, but at the same time they allow creativity from their staff and they allow their staff to challenge them as well. Hey coach, why, why are we practicing this way? What if we maybe did it like this and you have enough open mind to be able to say, you know what, let's do that because why it makes more sense.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: not just because, you know, oh, no, shut up, you're a GA. No, no, shut up, you're just the wide receiver coach, you know. Right. When you get, when you get caught in that world, it, it gets to be pretty pretty brutal.
0: Oh, no doubt. It, it is. And then, and then, like you said, I, I think whenever you kind of let those, those guys have a little bit of say in, in certain plays or certain, you know, whatever situations, I know everyone's working hard, but I, I still really think guys work just a little bit harder because now it's on them. And that yeah. their thing to look really good. Okay, I told the offensive coordinator this play was going to work. They're going to get a little more emphasis on it to make sure, hey, when, when Walls – when Wilk calls that, it, we better make sure that it, it works well because I, I put my name on it and it's my thing now.
1: <laughs> so, he'd always say you, you get you finally get that scheme running, like, all right, guys, we've got to gain eight yards on this, you know. <laughs> <laughs> make sure that this works that's
0: right i put my neck out there this better work so i think that always helps and and i and it's it makes like you said it makes it fun and and so that was really cool and it it was just kind of cool to be down there be in houston again and uh we didn't get to go back to the university but got to go to shipley's donuts and and um got to go to a couple barbecue restaurants and so it was cool it was cool to be back in houston you know i always miss houston so Good to be back there and, and got to see a couple of guys that were on staff um, at Houston. And now they're they're over at Rice. I think one is a GA and, and one is the, the um, not the head equipment guy, but the, the next down. So it was really cool to see see them and, and get caught up.
1: What's uh, What are your go-to barbecue places in Houston? Because when I was down there, I mean, it seemed like we never had time to eat. It was always like something local or whatever. I couldn't get too, uh, too cultural down there.
0: See, this one was called The Pit. Now, I, wasn't, I, never, I normally don't go out and uh, buy barbecue because it just seems too expensive for me. So <laughs> if I'm going to eat barbecue.
1: Make it myself.
0: <laughs> yes, I'll just make it myself, and it's more, it's more fun for me. I'll smoke it myself, but that's where everyone wanted to go, and so we went to The Pit, which is around rice, and it was really good. Um, now, I just got the wimpy tacos. I got some – they weren't wimpy, but I got made fun of because – uh, Dave got a, a two or three meat dinner and so did Wilk. And I was looking up and it was like, I don't know, whatever, 15, 20 bucks. And I was like, oh, payday's not till the 20th. I better watch it. And so I got a couple of tacos, uh, which were still expensive, but, uh, you know, saved a little bit with that. Uh, but they were good. So I went to the pit and then um, the breakfast of choice is obviously Shipley's, which is just like a little donut joint that they have in Houston. But there's a lot of them and, and it was good. Man, it was good. I hadn't had donuts in a while. So had donuts and, and kolaches, as they say, in Houston and Texas. But yeah. they don't oh, yeah. say that in Oklahoma. It's not kolaches. It's, uh, um, what do they call it? Sausage rolls.
1: Yeah, sausage rolls. You get the jalapeno sausage rolls, which, honestly,
0: they're phenomenal. But they are kolaches. I don't care what anyone says. <laughs> they're kolaches, yeah. And, and I think uh, everyone's excited. We saw a few kolachi factories. And so um, I didn't sound so weird since we'd seen that on the menu down there. And there's a, they had a spicy Earl Campbell sausage kolache. So I didn't get that, but I probably should have.
1: Yeah. I I think that's a big mistake that you didn't go with the, uh, (laughs) the spicy Earl Campbell myself.
0: No, I wish we could have had a little more time. I would have liked to, to go up to, you know, obviously go see the indoor at the university of Houston and, and they just put it in a new indoor and, and supposedly they got, my name up somewhere outside the stadium for, uh, all conference. So it would have been cool to go see some of that stuff. But, um, it was nice just to be in the, in the state and in the city. It's a, it's a really fun city and especially, you know, if you know a little bit of about it. So it was cool to be able to learn what Stanford did and and what Rice is doing now and, and, you know, how they're, they're working and trying to build and, you know, I'm kind of curious and and we've talked about it before, Mm -hmm. but, but they're doing it in a conference where, it, you know, there's not many teams that do it in that conference. You know, maybe none. I'm not sure, but there can't be very many in that conference. So it'll be cool that, to start seeing that switch with other places where everyone's going spread, no huddle, up-tempo, whatever. Now you'll start seeing, you know, and at first they were doing that to be different, right? Everyone else was doing other stuff. And so these teams got in this to be different, be the only book on the shelf, try to use their athleticism well. Now you can't everybody be athletic and and skilled guys. So let's go after some of the other guys that aren't being recruited as heavily. Maybe some big tight ends, some fullbacks, yep, some guys like that. And and now that gives us the competitive edge. And now we are the only book on the shelf, which is what Rice will be. And and so that'll be interesting to see how they do it. It'll probably take them a couple of years because you have got to get the right kids in there. But it'll be fun to watch them. And and I'm kind of excited to see what team does that in the Big Twelve. You know what's the What's the next team that goes, you know, Big 12 is, is very similar, almost everyone in offense. So I know Kansas State's a little different, but what team really sells out to it and is heavy 21, 22, running power and comes the only book in the shelf and gets those big linemen that, that necessarily, you know, that the Texas Techs and, and some of those aren't, aren't looking for as, as much.
1: I think it's, it's an interesting thing, and you and I have talked about it too. Kansas Jayhawks, what are you guys waiting for? Let's go.
0: That's right. That's, that's what good I mean, think, you know? and that's what you've said, and I agree, and they can find those big kids, and they can find a fullback. That's what uh, we were talking to Rice, and they were like, this is the, the one of the best times to be around, because nobody almost plays with a fullback, so we get to pick the litter. You know, There's a lot of times where those guys are falling to D2 or, or uh, smaller schools, because just there's only so many teams with a fullback in college, so now you're a team like Rice, you're a team like north dakota state you're getting some really good fullbacks that are division one talent fullbacks but you know they're just not being used or there's schools that want to have guys that do both tight end and fullback so they're looking for a guy that's whatever six six and 260 and runs a four six and you say yeah i think everyone wants one of those but probably very few schools are going to be able to get that guy
1: yeah uh yeah coach we saw four of those guys and they're all at alabama
0: yeah that's right (laughs) So, what are you going to do to be a little different? So, I don't know. That'll be cool. And it'll be cool to kind of see, again, you'd think it'd be a team like Kansas or something like that and see how you're. you know, maybe Iowa State when they get some new coaches in, whether the new ones get hired or, you know, maybe they'll stay there. Yeah. It'd just be cool to see one of those kind of area teams – you know, go bigger and, and see what that, you know, maybe bring in the North Dakota state coaches. I think well, that's what all. I
1: think eventually climbing or those guys take, take one of those jobs. You'd think, I mean, to me, it's only natural. Uh, the other thing I think too, I mean, with, with the smart schools like Stanford, like rice, you know, they have the ability to get a quality signal call. There's a lot of smart pro style QBs across the country. And let's be honest those kids also aren't getting recruited because sure. everybody wants the athletic gunslinger that can run, make plays, do the zone read, read option, all these things. Whereas now maybe you could find and handpick some of these kids that are the, the prototypical pocket pastor that are that are smart. You know, you see the kid from from Cali that Alabama had offered and he still went to Princeton. So I mean I think you know, I, I think there's a, a niche there for for the guys at rice to be able to, to, pluck some of those kids because, Hey, you know, at the end of the day, there's only X the number of, of QBs that are going to play for one. So you get, you're going to have maybe a, a market cornered on transfer QBs. And at the same time, you can still put on your resume. Hey dude, you know, Andrew Luck played for us. We've, we've had a, a boatload of, of NFL ready, you know, tight ends and quarterbacks here. We put receivers in the league. I think there's, there's the ability for them to, to find those signal callers. And, hey, what better place to be able to do that than in the state of
0: Texas? And, well, yeah. And then, again, like you said, there's something to those, those type schools getting quarterbacks ready for the NFL. When you look at, you know, Andrew Luck and you look at uh, Wentz from North Dakota State and then the guy yes. this year at Wyoming, all, you know, pro-style quarterbacks that aren't throwing it probably as much as some of the, the air-raid up-tempo guys or, or whatever they're calling themselves now. Uh, I guess it's not air raid anymore, but the, whatever. The, the spread. The spread, guys. <laughs> but but there's a lot of – and there's a lot of those quarterbacks coming out too. So, I mean – Yeah, no, yeah, there but, is. But there's something to be said about, you know, a lot of those guys with the luck and Wentz, and we'll see with Wyoming. But those guys are come out and they're ready to play fairly early because they've gone through the two and three jet. They know how to switch protections. They know how to uh, alert and kill a play. So, that's kind of cool to be able to see that. I just, and I, you know,
1: so I'm a Niners fan, and you can't tell me that okay, Jimmy Garoppolo, right? You know, come comes out of up tempo, no huddle, spread offense at Eastern Illinois was awesome. You know, got coached well by Babers and those guys, but you can't tell me that his stock wasn't upped by spending what the two seasons, the three seasons in New England, learning how to protect. That's learning
0: exactly right.
1: learning how, how to call these, these schemes, learning from Tom Brady what to check into, what looks should you like, what looks don't you like. You know, learning from Josh McDaniels on, on how to call the game. I mean, I, I just think spending time in that system is, is completely invaluable. You know, we just got off, you know, the interview with, with Press Taylor, with the Eagles, and, and he outlined how those guys learn that stuff. I mean, the number one thing they did every day, you learn protections. Right? The number two thing they had to do every day was what runs do you have to check in and out of? You know, you're not getting that in a spread up tempo system. They're calling place for you most of the time, right? Right. So I mean it's it's a whole other art to the game that you have to learn unless you are an absolute freak like a, a Cam Newton or something like that.
0: That's right. Then they'll find a way to to put the offense around you, and and kudos to those coaches that are smart enough to yeah, yeah. Uh, make it fit whatever kind of co you know whatever quarterback they have.
1: Yeah, I just I don't know. I, I just loved to me. You know, I, I see the merit in all the systems. Hell, I've coached in. God knows how many now, and had to learn so many schemes. But <laughs> I, I loved, I loved that year at Broken Arrow, just because of the ability to to have all those quarterbacks there, and and to just mold mold those guys the way you wanted to. Having that QB school in the summertime, being able to, to sit down with those kids and know them on a you know a personal level, and then just teach them football, you know, and teach them teach them life. But I just think you know being a being an old line coach before that really, really helped me as a QB coach because I understood protections better. I understood the concerns that you guys have up front, you know, as offensive linemen, as, as tackles, like, Coach, I can't handle this guy one-on-one, you know? That's right. And, and being able to convey that to, to the QBs, like, hey, th- this is one of the most difficult positions to play on the field. And when those, when those quarterbacks could understand that and hear that from you as their coach, they had a lot more empathy, I thought, towards, towards the offensive line. Like, hey, it's a tough job, man, but I'm, I'm going to be back here. Hopefully, I'm putting put you in the, the correct protections. Hopefully, I'm helping you guys out. And then, you know, I, I, just, I just thought that was a lot of fun for me, just being able to teach those kids the entire game of football, situational football, you know. So, it kind of still brought me back to those West Coast offense roots because that was the first offense I learned when I was in college.
0: Huh.
1: And that was I the first thing. Yeah, that was the first thing that I'd studied, and it, it kind of went back to, to the book I read about John Gruden. He said, you know, hey, you, you need to learn all, all of football, but you need to be able to go back to the quarterback if you want to be a, a good play caller. And I mm-hmm. was kind of like, okay, you know, I, I need to be able to understand what the quarterback needs to be able to do, but at the same time, if you don't understand run game, you don't understand protections, you don't understand how the offensive line works, you're going to be very, very limited in what you can and can't do. And I thought it just made me a much more complete coach. And, you know, and in talking with the QBs I got to, to talk with, they, that was what they'd say, coach, I learned so much football in, in that amount of time just because, you know, it was stuff that they hadn't really heard before. But it, it only come from the experiences I had learning how to coach offensive line, working with guys like you and Dave.
0: Well, it'll also, uh, like you say, it'll make your offensive line coach much happier You know, I get – had lucky to have you and then guys like Wilk that when at least, you know, even if – whatever, if I came to you and was like, hey, this is really screwing us and this is going to be really tough, you'd be like, yeah, okay, we won't do that or we'll find a way around that, you know. Nothing worse when you say something like that and they're like, yeah, I don't know, figure it out. I don't know, I just want to run run zone left, so figure it out. I don't really care. You're like, it would be really helpful if you put the tight end backside. No, I just want to go zone left, tight end, so just, I don't know, figure it out. Okay, sweet. (laughs) try to get figured out i'll tell you what the other the other crazy thing was um and i heard and and wilk's been watching the michigan uh episodes on amazon prime maybe oh
1: really i didn't i hadn't even heard yeah so i i've stopped i've stopped watching all stuff michigan after we went there and we saw their (laughs) six-hour practices i'm like (laughs) like i can't
0: do it man <laughs> they, I, it's not an all-access, but it's something like uh, that's what it is. But I don't know what it's called. But the last year, I think they did it with a pro team. But anyways, they do a whole thing with them, and they at least at the beginning of the year, they've got what was kind of cool or not cool, just crazy how different teams do different things. They've got their run game, they got their offensive line coach that's right next to their pass coach, and then Harbaugh's on the field with different things. So I think the offensive, I think the wide receiver or the quarterback's coach makes the decision, but he'll be like, okay, I want to run play here. And then the running, the offensive line coach will come up with the run play wow. and he'll and he'll call it. And then receiver and then the quarterback's coach will be like, all right, we're going to pass it. And so then he'll make his own, his own, you know, play call with the passing game. And then Harbaugh is down there. And if certain times he'll want certain, you know, plays ran and he'll be like, all right, we need to play out of blah, 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 blah. So it's like, three guys calling the plays that to me that'd just be brain damage man well then i've heard another team that's like on the goal line in this certain coach is calling it and then the open field this coach and then they've got like a third down coach wow so a lot of crazy <laughs> stuff and then yeah you're you're right like if harbaugh's like okay we need to run out <laughs> of whatever formation you know now that guy's scrambling <laughs> oh
1: geez oh jeez, oh jeez, oh jeez. I didn't write any up out of 22 personnel,
0: Coach. <laughs> Jeez. That's not on the wristband. Uh, run, run power. Run power. Run power. That's easy. Run power. Yeah. We'll go with power. But it <laughs> would be kinda easy. Cool kind of cool. Let's see. I got an All-American right guard. Yeah. Okay. Power right. <laughs> yep, easy. Run behind him. Too much of it. You fall into some of that, you know. It doesn't always have to be so difficult. Oh, you got a really good right guard, right tackle. Let's run it behind them. Let's, let's yeah, run behind people. That's one thing I've been trying to get better at is in the big situations, not worrying about the perfect play. Let's run it to our best players.
1: Yep. Yeah, get, it, get it behind the, the guys that, uh, that are going to get the most movement and making sure you, you know what you're doing or getting your best matchup. You know, who, who, who are we not trying to move or who can't we move? So, always, always a spot to start, I think, rather than the scheme. Who can we block? Who can't we block?
0: Yes. Yes, that's important. That's extremely important. Coach,
1: how come that play didn't gain a yard? Uh remember when I told you not to run the inside zone to the right? You ran inside zone to the right. Yeah, I'm sure never... you guys get figured out. <laughs> yeah, go figure it out. Cool. We will. Um yep. Nope. No one can block that,
0: guy. <laughs> Look, I don't want to hear it. You guys just figure it out. You're just like, okay. <laughs> don't know what we're gonna do about that. No, but I've been lucky. Like I said, you and Wilk and, and um i can go to i could go to both you guys and and both really like you know wilk didn't coach offensive line but he gets more offensive line film and clinics and tapes and than almost anybody so you know he's he's just as into it as anybody else so it makes it yes. really nice when your coordinator is and understands there's issues that you got to work through and, and will actually listen to you and some of that is you got to build some sweat equity with them for them to trust you but. It's Hell nice yeah. when they do, and and they're kind of even if maybe they don't agree. If if you're saying one thing, they might try to sway you one way, but you're still pretty steadfast with it for the most part. They'll they'll be on board with you and and helping you out too.
1: I think there's no doubt about what what you said there, Harp. I mean, you you could just kind of smell guys that that really love it and guys that are kind of lukewarm, you know? Yeah, uh, that's a big deal. I mean, you you could. I could tell with you instantly, I mean, it was like, it was literally like a week and you're like, okay, yeah, Harper, he's not just likes football because everyone says it. You know, I love to watch football. I love to go, go to the games on Saturdays. You know, I'm a big Sooners fan or whatever. That's all fine and good, but you really, really find uh-huh. out, you know, who, who loves ball. It's like, Hey, uh, Hey coach walls. I got like four free hours here. Do you want to sit around and talk football? Uh, yeah, I'm not going to do anything. So let's do it. <laughs> I mean, there's a very few people because a lot of a lot of people will just look at you like you're crazy. Like, what? Why the heck would you want to do that? Or you guys are football nerds or whatever, and things like that. And it's that's fine. They can say that. But at the end of the day, those are the people that are literally focused and obsessed with getting better. You know, you're not sitting there rehashing the same thing. You're sitting there trying to find a better way. All right, and that's why they, some of these guys that it, it bothers me and we've talked about it a bunch of times, but. You know, hey, this always works. This is the way to do it. This is the way to get it done. I I haven't had to change in in God knows how long. Well, I I don't think so. You know, maybe you had twenty-four NFL players, you know, on your roster or something like that. But you know, I, I think your best coaches are always finding, finding, you know, maybe not a completely different offense or a completely different play, but they're finding different ways to teach, different ways to reach kids you know, and I, and that's one of the things I love about Wilk too. You know, Wilk's got that hunger, you know, he's got a lot of of people that he knows he's, he's exhausting resources to get film, to study things like, Hey, maybe we can do some of this. You know what? Maybe that didn't work out the way I wanted. Maybe we can do some of that, you know, finding different ways to coach it. Hey, I like that. I mean, those are the guys that find an edge. And I think honestly, kids latch onto that because they're like, you know what? These coaches really, really love football. And they really want us to be really, really good. It's not just some hobby for them.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. And one of the biggest ones, I think, is, is just being honest with kids. You know yeah. what I mean? I mean, they just are, are fed so much BS, uh, you know, their whole life from teachers and coaches and parents and, and you know, all that where it's nice. Like you've talked about, you know, just being honest and honest with some of your shortcomings and honest with with you know, what you are wanting to get out of things and wanting to do with things. That's one of my big go-tos I go to every year and make sure I tell the kids, look, I want you guys to be great. I really care about you guys, but I also want to be really, I want to be great. I want to be the best offensive line coach in the state, in the country. So for me to be great, you've got to be great. And I want to hold you, I'm going to hold you that standard, not only for yourself, but for me, selfishly for me as well. And that seems to do really well because, you know, it is true, and, and there's no reason, in my opinion, to hide that. No. Uh, and another thing I took from Coach Hayes, which was my, my offensive line coach my, my uh, sophomore year, was, I was I'm, I'm not brutally honest, but I'm extremely honest with the kids, you know. If there's a position battle, I'm not going to take one kid into the other room and say, hey, you know, you've got a chance. You might be able to do it and then go meet privately with the other kid. I'm going to in front of the whole offensive line group say, look, the, the this position and the this position are fairly open this spring. Now, if someone beats out our whoever else, you know, beats out the left tackle, then you beat them out. You know, he doesn't. No one is always has a job, but right now going into spring, I see these two positions as being really up for grabs, and it's between these three, four, or five people. You know, and and now anyone can surprise me, and I want you guys to, And every spot's open. I'm going to play the best five, but I just kind of want to let you guys know what I'm thinking going into spring. And, and I think that honesty, you know, I think the kids really like that and know that. And so they know when, hey, when, when Coach Harper tells me something, he, he's not BSing, he's not lying, he, he's being for real.
1: And I think it helps a lot too when, you know, you do have that stud player and you hold him to that same, same accountability standard. Because I, mean, I think that's where a lot of coaches run into problems is when you have those double standards, right?
0: It is. It's tough. Hey, it's hey,
1: tough too. You know, hey hey Jimmy, I know you and Billy here are, are battling out for the right guard and we've got this starting all American left tackle and okay, yeah, he's he's a he's a freak, he's phenomenal. But I, I'm just gonna kinda let him get away with some stuff. You know, hey, we don't we don't want him to get injured, you know, we don't we don't want him to get hurt. We want to make sure we, we, we get the horses to the race. And you know what, I get some of that. But at the same time, if you're letting that guy slack, you're letting that guy dick around in meetings you know, you're you're letting him maybe set a bad example that just pollutes the entire room. Exactly right. It creates when a vision. Yeah. When you're able to sit there and, and critique that kid, it's like, hey, Joey, I know you're going to Ohio State, but guess what? You know, we we need you to be the best tackle in America. Exactly. And and that that includes everybody. You know, I hope that's your goal. I hope your goal is not to just commit to these guys we hope that your goal is to be an All-American and to be the best best player to ever come through Broken Arrow. And we hope that you're absolutely mutilating people every single play. That should be your standard. And hopefully you leave a legacy behind you where all of these kids look at that and it's like, wow, that's the kind of man, that's the kind of player I want to be. And when you hold that kid to that standard, one, I think if he wants to be great, he's going to love it. Yeah. And then two, all, all of those other kids see that. It's like, you know, Coach Walls and Coach Harper don't play favorites, okay? And we may have some of our favorite kids, but <laughs> our favorite kids were the ones we pushed the hardest. And our favorite kids were the ones that, that we, we gave them extra coaching, and we made sure that those kids were, were putting it on the line. Because, honestly, you know, if, if you're not doing that for your best players, that's where you falter. And, and Coach Trimble, to me, was the best at doing that. You know, he, he put those things aside. He's like, dude, you're going to have all these offers. But our team's going to come first. And if you don't want to play for the team, you know what? Maybe this isn't the place for you to play. And all those kids bought into that. And guess what? They still went to big-time schools. didn't matter.
0: <laughs> that's you right. Know? So, Well, that's, that's to me kind of can be the fine line is what are the, the non-negotiables and what are some of the things that, like you said, you do have to get the horse to the race, if you will. So mm-hmm. you know, and there, But there are things that it doesn't matter, and I don't care how good you are. If you don't do this, this, and this for me, uh, I'll get, and I've said it before, you know, we're, we're lucky that we've got a um, a kid that's played as a freshman. He's going to be a junior in Rame, and he's already got OU offers, and, and every big school there is looking at him. So we got lucky to have that, but but I've told him the same as I've told every other kid, look, I, it doesn't matter to me if you don't give full fanatical effort and and um, show up and, and give me that full full crazy effort while we play. Um, it doesn't matter. I'll go ahead and get fired and I'll be happy getting fired, not playing you. I will not play you. It won't, won't matter to me. And I said, well, maybe I will get fired and and maybe I deserve it. I don't know, but I won't play you because I I can't stand watching it because it's, it's, um, it's a direct correlation on me. And so if I allow any of you to go out there and and play lazy at any point, it makes me look lazy and I'm not going to be a lazy and I'm not going to look lazy or not tough. So um, you're going to have to be not lazy and not tough or you won't play. And and the kids believe in it, and it is true, because you know, I don't want to look that way. And so I tell them that. And then it also goes back to when I was talking with Rehm as a freshman. We could all tell he's going to be a special kid. And and even that year I said, okay, here's a you – know, I found six offensive linemen. Here's these six offensive linemen that are supposed to be ESPN top 300. Go watch their film, and this is your standard. You know, you're, you're ceiling so much higher than a lot of these kids. Your standard isn't be the best offensive lineman on the team. It's not to be the best offensive lineman in the state. It's to be an ESPN top 300 guy. And so that's something we've talked about since day one. And and that can't be everyone's standard, I don't think. You know, there's some yeah. kids that aren't blessed. But um, our standard for sure, no matter how good you are or whatever, is going to be uh, fanatical effort for sure. That's everybody's. You you won't play offensive line at Broken Arrow unless you give fanatical effort. and. And that's just one of my things that, that I think, you know, kind of sets us apart at times.
1: That's what I like where you can set those goals. It's like, okay, you're not going to be ESP 300. Who cares? Right. Here, here's, what you, here's what you can be. Let's be the absolute nastiest offensive line in America. That's right. You know, when people, when people get done playing us, they should feel pain or they should be like, whoa, that was an absolute war. You know, the, you can give kids goals like that because anybody can go achieve that goal. Cool. I'm going to win every single one-on-one fight I get into. <laughs> That's right. right. And you're going to know, okay, if I'm going against uh, an all-American three-tech, we're going to beat the ever-loving heck out of this guy every That's single right. play. And guess what? Guess where I'm going to college. I'm going to go be a frat boy at, at Oklahoma State, and it's going to be awesome. <laughs> I'm going to tell all my buddies that I beat the crap out of you all the time. You know what? And I'm going to go on, and I'm going to get a great job because that's my goal every single time. I know I can get in a fight. I know I can get in a battle, and I can win those things. You you can set those goals for all those guys. It's like you know don't don't set your goals short. Don't want to just be the starter at Broken Arrow. You know, leave a legacy, man. Hey, you remember number 55? That guy was an absolute badass at Broken Arrow. He played right guard. I don't even know where he went to school. You know, hey, <laughs> guess what? He didn't go play anywhere. He He didn't. stud. You he know, just so got I mean, after people, yeah, I just. I just think you can always find so many, so many of those goals for for those kids to to hit, you know, and especially when you celebrate it, you know, you as the coach, right? If you're, you you're celebrating, if you're recognizing it, you're showing it, you're celebrating it, you're hugging that guy, you're going nuts when he's killing people. I mean, then then it all pays off because you don't just seem like some guy that's just spouting that stuff. Oh, you should be worried about constant improvement. And then you never say anything to the kid when he does it, you know.
0: I love that so much. I, and I forgot about this, but um I've had, you know, four separate offensive line coaches and at least three of them have talked about I want fanatical effort. I want us to be effort crazy and I want us we knock someone down, we jump on them mo- uh, on top of them. And two of them never said a word about it in film. And I'd have this little offensive line uh, my, my best friend, and, and he was kind of the short guy, which he's still one or 6'2. He'd say he's 6'4, but he's probably like 5'11. But my good buddy, my best friend Bryce, you know, he's sitting yeah. there and he roaches a guy on the other side of film and the coach won't even show the wide film. And he's like, oh, yeah, so much for really caring about our fanatical effort. I'm killing guys all the way to the whistle. You didn't even say a word about it. <laughs> and, so, and so, you know, you hear those guys every time at the beginning, I want us to be nasty and have great effort, and they don't ever say anything about it on film. And then you get a guy like I had with uh, Coach Hayes, and he didn't just talk the talk, he walked the walk. He would show film. He We would watch the wide, and he'd see who was given the effort that, that was his standard. And so that was kind of cool. And then and then he's also the one I got the uh, um, the word standard from because – we'd say things like, oh, well, we, I don't know, we beat the three technique or whatever. We beat them, whatever, nine times out of 10. And he'd be like, yeah, if that's your standard. <laughs> so he always goes with that. He got my buddy Bryce with that a bunch because Bryce would be, whatever, I did this to him or whatever. And then he'd be like, yeah, if that's your standard. And then <laughs> you have no comeback to that. So it's, it's no. the best things you can say.
1: Oh, okay. I, get, I guess your standard is that you're going to get beat once every 10 plays.
0: Okay. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so so that was hilarious, and then the other funny one with Coach Hayes, which I hope we can get him on here sometime. But that'd be awesome. We got uh screamed at because we were we were watching film and we were we're supposed to be deep setting, well we sh- we're set too short, and we're just kind of learning it. And so he goes off after like the tenth, like whatever eighth time it's happened, he's like, "Short set one more time, and we'll go out to the indoor, and we're gonna do all these." burpees and or whatever he said we're going to do punishment well I see right then my buddy starts lacing up his cleats Bryce starts lacing up his cleats he's like I know we're going to go out there because we can't change what's on film and so like the (laughs) next within the next three places that's it let's go and so we had to go out and do all these crazy punishments he's a military guy so he always had the craziest weirdest punishments and so uh, but the cool part was we could as long as we waited till the end of the day we could kind of call him on some of that so, we, you know, Bryce would go up to him like, uh, Coach, you know, we couldn't do anything about that, right? You were just shouting at the screen, and we couldn't actually change anything from yesterday uh, until we do it again today. And he was like, oh, gosh, dang, I, I guess you're right. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I, was, I was yelling at the film. You guys couldn't even change it. We're like, uh, yeah. We didn't want to say anything to you at the time, but just want to let you know that now. <laughs> funny, great, dude. It was, it was funny. <laughs>
1: I just, you know, and you just, some of these coaches, you get in there and you and you sit in with meetings with them and, it, and all it is is just constant correction, you know? Yes. I mean, correct, you're correct, correcting, correcting, correcting. You should have done this. You could have done this. You could have done, done that. You should have done this. It's like, dude, that that just gets old. It just becomes monotonous, you know? Have your quick coaching point for kids, but when you see kids doing things your standard, your way, you have to celebrate that nonstop and you have to reinforce that behavior like guys this is it right here this is exactly what I'm talking about and you go fist bump or you go hug that kid or you go you know jack him up a little bit or give him a round of applause whatever it is that needs to be recognized because when it doesn't get recognized all of a sudden it just kind of slides by the wayside Like, ah, oh, whatever coach doesn't care you know I'm not I'm not even gonna fix that because coach don't care even if I do it right He ain't going to say I did it, right? He's going to find something else. Oh, now it'll be my hands were in the wrong place. Um, Now my my landmark wasn't going to be right. I mean, how many times over the course of a season do you see an absolutely 100% perfect block?
0: Almost never. Never.
1: How many times do you see an absolutely 100% perfect route or a perfect catch or a perfect throw, right? And as coaches, you're just constantly sitting there. It's like, oh, I got the pursuit for the perfect this, the perfect this, okay? I get it. That's your standard, right? You, you, are pushing towards that. When you see th- things being done, right. That's part of your culture. You got to celebrate it. And the kids got to know that you actually do care uh, about the things that they're doing because it's going to get, it's going to get ugly and they're going to start to tune you out. <laughs>
0: yes, <they are. laughs> and,
1: and now, and now you, you got a whole new set of problems on your hand. So if that's <laughs> one thing I say to, the coaches, man, when kids do it right, celebrate. You know, I'd said it on Twitter today. I see these guys posting workouts and posting videos on Twitter. And I hear people like bad that. I'm like, what? Why? How can you badmouth kids getting better? Coaches being excited about the weight room. Coaches being excited about kids, you know, getting better. And not only that, having, you know, the balls and the confidence to put that stuff out there. And to show it off, and kind of pound their chest, will be like, "Hey, man, I'm proud of my kids. I'm proud of my program." You see, guys, oh, you know, guys are just showing off, and guys are showing this and putting it on Twitter and all this. We just sitting there. We just, you know, rub some dirt on it and get better. Like, really, dude? Come on. Nah. Use, use use all the tools that we can possibly can to That's to get exactly our right to get our our kids excited about it. Let's not be the enemy from within. You know. Let's celebrate our game. I think it's a pretty awesome game. Not much to really, really complain about, if you ask me.
0: Completely, completely agree, Walls. I don't know. I want. I got a little. I got a little LaCharles Bentley rant there. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. I think everyone <laughs> wants a little bit of of LaCharles Bentley rant to be able to do that. That was pretty it's, impressive. That was pretty sweet, wasn't it? Oh, that it's hilarious because like there's guys tweeting
1: about it and it's like. They're just calling it the rant. Yeah, and it was like at the twenty-eight minute mark or something. I was, I was just laughing like the rant, and it was funny because that, that's why I wanted to try to get it, him going on it was because I heard him, you know, at Iowa State, and, and he'd done the same thing, and it was just I'm just sitting there like, this is the coolest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> like I got, I'm like I got to go to the bathroom, but I am not getting up to go to the bathroom anytime oh soon because <laughs> I'm going to sit here and listen to every word this guy has to say. And it made so much sense. And it was, it was one of the things he was talking, kind of, you know, that, that toughness rant. And, and he was talking about, you think about a kid, you know, oh, you got to get tougher. You got to get tougher. Well, you know, the natural response for anybody in a, in a person, in a situation of stress, fight or flight. Some people fight. Some people have flight. There's nothing you can really say <laughs> about that until what? You coach them and you give them confidence. Right. You give them weapons. Like, I, I don't know how to fight. Well, if I don't know how to fight, what are you going to do? They run. That's right. They're scared. They're kids. That's, that's, the, the other, that's the other natural thing they do. So what do you do? You give them weapons. You teach them how to fight. Uh-huh. All of a sudden now they're like, hey, cool. You can go out there and you can fight. And guess what? When they go fight and they win, you celebrate it. That's and then right. sitting, there, sitting there just demeaning the kid. You're so soft. You're not tough. <laughs> you can't do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're All you're doing is spewing exactly what you are not as a coach. You're not tough. You can't teach them. You're not instilling confidence. You're being a bad coach. Point no, no blank. Doubt. There it is right there.
0: <laughs> no doubt. But, but I mean, it's just, it's just crazy to me. You know, we got we get to talk to the Charles Bentley Press Taylor, you know Super Bowl cha- Super Bowl champion quarterback coach. It's just like it's just wild, man. And he listens to the podcast. I know. <laughs> and How about that at the end? Uh, oh, lovely getting to listen to it in the morning. You know when I'm driving into uh, the Eagles facility. You're like,
1: what? Well, I talked to him just a little bit. You know, it was, it was right after the you know they'd won. So I you know texted him, said congrats, and then it was right after the the parade. Cause I I get to see all of his stuff. He's got all the videos on Instagram and snap, you know, so being former roommates with him, or whatever, you kind of get to see that. And, uh, he, uh, he kind of said something like, I'm like, Hey man, congrats. This is awesome. And then he just kind of comes out of blue. He's like, Hey, seriously, you guys podcast is awesome. Just like, you know, like a a day or two after the parade, he's like I just finally listened to a couple episodes. This is sweet. And I was like, really? Well, we should get you on. he, He sends it back like a day later hell yeah i want to be on i'm like all right
0: (laughs) oh my gosh yes deal
1: it's pretty crazy so i mean he's like i said genuine dude but i thought it was crazy that he'd already he'd already listened to it and i hadn't really asked him you know to be on it or whatever he's just like dude this is sweet so pretty cool
0: no it's, it's it's fun man it's been fun so um Hopefully, we get to keep doing this for a while because we're getting to talk to some big-time guys, and we're getting to talk to some guys that that the majority of the country hasn't heard of but are brilliant football coaches. I mean, you talk, you know, I don't want to necessarily name any of our guests, but we've had some, uh, the majority, obviously, that are just brilliant coaches that that people just don't know about because they're in some part in in the U.S. that, you know, maybe is not as big in high school football or they're young or just just people just for whatever reason haven't heard of them outside of that area but just brilliant coaches that really love football and really care about the kids and and it's awesome getting to right getting to whatever it is it's iron sharpens iron so does a man sharpen another so it's great being around those kind of people because it just constantly gives you little coaching tips and little yeah. you know not oh, to dude. be a coach but like just like you coach and we were playing offensive line you get little coaching tips from your coach it's the same thing, things that remind you, oh, I forgot about this, oh, I forgot to do this, you know, little things yeah. that pick up are just awesome that, that um, we get to do that with some of those, and we've got some other really big names that are coming up, and so it's exciting, and, and uh, you get to jump on and talk to some big name college coach, or, or whatever it is, and then, or pro coach, or, or Charles Bentley, and then at the end, them say, hey, thanks for what you're doing for football, and it's like, well, uh, we just like to get on here, and, and can't believe we get to talk to some of you guys.
1: The The thing that I just love the most about Harp, and it's like you said, you know, we've gone a couple of weeks where we haven't recorded any of these, and it's just like, man, it just feels weird that I didn't get to, like, talk ball this week. And all of a sudden, you get back on, like, on that Monday, and you're just like, oh, yeah, okay, yes, I can sit down. But it, it feels every time, like, those nights when you would get done with practice or, you get done with the workout and you'd literally just sit in the office for half hour, 45 minutes, hour. And we just sit there and talk about whatever. It could be how bad we hated ESPN. (laughs) You know, (laughs) it could be, you know, or it could be, it could be something political. It could be, you know, women, it could be having to to pick out a house or whatever, or it would just be sitting there talking football. Hey, coach walls, walk me through this. I'd say, coach Harper, how'd you guys you know, run practice doing this. But, I mean, doing this every single week with these coaches, and I think Coach Bartell had said, I know he's going to be on, but he's like, it just feels like we're in the office there with you guys. And I'm like, that's exactly what we wanted to to do once we start out doing this.
0: Right. That's that's what we were shooting for, you know. We were shooting just to, to BS, get to talk with coaches, because we like we like coaches. We like sitting in the office for 30 minutes. And, by the oh, way, yeah. we called the ESPN failure – way before anyone else I ever heard. You better believe it. All that years ago, and it's gone exactly like we said it would. But that's been <laughs> cool. And then, you know, just all the support, these coaches that, that love it, enjoy it, we, I mean, obviously had no idea that that was going to happen. You know, I thought we might get a couple hundred coaches that want to listen to it, and then it might go away. But it's, it's by far surpassed anything our wildest dreams. We get to work with some amazing sponsors, with some great dudes. and so. Um, it's all been really cool and, and helped us meet some guys and, and get to be around those people. And I remember the, the one week that we had to be off all week because of spring break, and you were you were an agitated guy the next week, Walls, till we got on and got to talk some football. I was.
1: <laughs>
0: I was ir- irritable and discontent, man. I hadn't had
1: my football talks, and I was too. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. Being able to do this on a uh, on a weekly basis, no doubt, makes me a better coach. And holy cow, talk about the, the number of people that you've been able to meet cross-country. I mean, all, yeah, there's been a few buddies of ours that, that we have interviewed. There's also just been guys we have no idea who they are.
0: That's exactly right. And we and have we, got no script for it. We just we, yeah. we, we see, okay, who who is this? Or we've heard of them. Or we kind of know who it <laughs> is and say, all right, well. And then, you know, even some guys are like, so uh, will you send me a script or ask some of your questions? We're like, uh, we're going to ask to uh, talk about yourself first, and then we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll see where it goes. I don't, I don't know. Just talk ball, man, like we would at the office. And so that's been the coolest part. And no prep for it. We're probably the worst that you could be as far as there's no prep for it. We're just going to get on the phone call and talk football with a football coach. And it, it so far has ended up really good for us, and we've learned a ton from it.
1: Yeah, we would be we'd be bad writers for sitcoms yes be we would. Ba- we'd be bad movie writers too <laughs>
0: <laughs> we could be on an improv uh set though we'd kill that, it
1: that'd be about all we could do yeah i don't <laughs> know if we'd be very, i don't know if we'd be very funny but we could definitely improv and adapt
0: and overcome adapt and overcome is exactly right and that'll do it for this episode of the podcast. We want to, again, thank our sponsors, Power Lift, Sideline Power, Sky Coach, and Team Attack Academy. You guys go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy running the power, go get your shirt, long sleeve, or hoodie at runthepower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app.